Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is that every believer would not just attend church, but also hear from God daily through His Word. As we read the Bible, we begin to see how God responds to things. Doing daily devotions repatterns the way we think, transforms the spirit of our mind, and helps us become more like Jesus. Join us here, Monday through Friday, as various pastors and leaders at Fusion Church share devotion and teaching through that day's soap scripture. Download the current soap reading plan at fusionchurch.cc soap. Uh, Lord, I just, um, I, I thank you this morning for uh, this platform. I thank you for this uh, capability for us to gather uh, and hear your word together as a church family. Um, Lord, may you just speak through me, that you use me, that I surrender myself to you, that this word be yours, um, and that this lesson uh, be for all of us, including myself, and uh, what is going on here in this story. Lord, just continue to uh, show us your faithfulness, show us uh, your love, show us your grace and your mercy, uh, Lord. Give us wisdom and discernment uh, for our lives, Lord. May we learn here that we can take a lesson with us, um, not just for today, not just for tomorrow, but for the rest of our lives. Lord, continue to be transforming other people in their lives as you do so much, uh, and we pray in your mighty name. Amen. Let's get into it, Genesis 38. Um, so I'm reading out of the New King James as I typically do. Verse 1, it came to pass at that time that Judah departed from his brothers and visited a certain Adolamite uh, whose name was Hyer. And Judah saw a daughter of a certain Canaanite whose name was Shua, and he married her and went into her. So she conceived and bore a son, and he named his name Ur. She conceived again and bore a son, and she called his name Onan. And she conceived yet again and bore a son and called his name Shelah. He was at Chezeb when she bore him. Then Judah took a wife for Ur, his firstborn, and her name was Tamar. But Ur, Judah's firstborn, was wicked in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord killed him. And Judah said to Onan, go into your brother's wife and marry her and raise up an heir to your brother. But Onan knew that the heir would not be his, and it came to pass when he went into his brother that he admitted on the ground, lest he should give an heir to his brother. And the thing which he did displeased the Lord, therefore he killed him also. Then Judah said to Tamar, his daughter-in-law, remain a widow in your father's house until my son Shelah is grown. For he said, least he also die like his brothers. And Tamar went and dwell in her father's house. Now in the process of time, the daughter of Shelah Judah's wife died, and Judah was confronted and went up to his sheep shearers at Timnah, and he and his friend Hera the Adolamite. And it was told Tamar, saying, Look, your father in law is going to Timnah to shear his sheep. 
So she took off her widow's garments, covered herself with a veil, and wrapped herself and sat in an open place, which was on the way to Timnah. For she saw that Sheila was grown, and she was not given to him as a wife. When Judah saw her, he thought she was a harlot because she covered her face. Then he turned to her by the way and said, please come, <clears throat> please let me come in you. For he did not know uh, that she was his daughter-in-law. So she said, what will you give me that you may come into me? And he said, I will send a young goat from the flock. So she said, will you give me a pledge until you send it? Then he said, what pledge shall I give you? So she said, your signet and cord and your staff that is in your hand. Then he gave them to her and went into her and she conceived by him. So she arose and went away and laid aside her veil and put on the garments of her widowhood. And Judah sent the young goat by the hand of his friend, the Adolamite, to receive his pledge from the woman's hand, but he did not find her. When he asked the men of that place, saying, where is the harlot who was openly by the roadside? And they said, there was no harlot in this place. So he returned to Judah and said, I cannot find her. Also, the men of the place said there was no harlot in this place. Then Judah said, let her take them for herself, lest we be shamed, for I sent this young goat, and you have not found her. And it came to pass about three months later that Judah was told, saying, Tamar, your daughter-in-law has played the harlot. Furthermore, she is with child by harlotry. So Judah said, bring her out and let her be burned. When she was brought out, she sent to her father-in-law, saying, By the man whom these belong, I am with child. And she said, Please determine whose these are, the signet and cord and staff. So Judah acknowledged them and said, She has been more righteous than I, because I did not give her to Sheila, my son, and he never knew her again. Now it came to pass at the time for giving birth that behold, twins were in her womb. And so it was when she was giving birth that the one put out his hand and the midwife took a scarlet thread and bound it on his hand saying, this one came out first. Then it happened as he drew back his hand that his brother came out unexpectedly and she said, how did you break through? This breach be upon you. Therefore, his name was called Perez. Afterward, his brother came out, who had the scarlet thread on his hand, and his name was called Zerah. The word of the Lord. Woo! We got a spicy one this morning. <laughs> We've got a lot of crazy spiciness this morning for a Thursday. Um, I don't know if we need to put some kind of like parental discretion for this one when we put it on the <laughs> podcast, but this is a wild story. We see that 
we break away from the story of Joseph just a little bit here to focus on Judah. Um, and there's something special ultimately in the grand scheme of what God is doing uh, in his giant plan with Judah. We don't really understand it. If you're just taking this at face value right here in this chapter alone, we're like, why would, why is all this happening? Why are we focusing on Judah and all of his craziness? Um, this is basically uh, a, an ancient um, story of like, you know, uh, what is it like the Jerry Springer show, if anybody remembers those. This, this is a wild story here where, you know, Judah, first of all, uh, he marries a Canaanite woman. We already know from previous that that's really not uh, the best option uh, for, um, for heirs of Abraham, that that's not really the idea or the best uh, plan in which God has for his people, but he does it anyway. He marries her, and then he has his son, uh, Ur. Ur marries Tamar. Now that Tamar is in the family, she is then therefore seen as family, um, definitely from the firstborn. There's a lot of cultural understanding here that we don't really play a part in in today's society. Um, but here is very much so that, hey, this, this woman is now, she's a firstborn's wife and there's some duties and responsibilities uh back and forth that the family must take care of her we see that it's said to stay um in the father's house here after tamar has lost uh both the first and second husbands the first and second sons uh you know of judah er was so wicked though we don't see really like what he did or what the nature of his wickedness was. And ultimately it doesn't matter. It was just so bad that God just said, ah, I need to judge you now. This was so bad that he had to just get rid of him immediately. We then see a kind of a, ultimately a, con, a confusing or misunderstood uh, custom uh, or ways or ways that people operated back then when it came to marriage and really inheritance. This had more to do with passing on of promise and legacy than anything else. So it said, hey, uh, you need to go into your brother's wife. Er died, so Onan now, the second born son, says you need to now marry your brother's wife so that she can remain in the family and be the one that's as originally thought and promised to pass on legacy, to pass on inheritance. This is basically called leveret marriage. Leveret marriage was understood and culturally done. This was not anything weird. Um, it was actually very accepted. Uh, this would have been a normal acceptance and an expectation, actually, of, sorry, I'm getting a little, uh, this would have been an expectation of Tamar of what's going on and that she's like, hey, you know, I'm I'm in this family. I, I need to pass on the lineage of Judah. And so she, she would be upset um, 
at what's going on as well. We see that this is called levirate marriage. This is also um, put into uh, the uh, Mosaic law, if you will, back in Deuteronomy 25 verses 5 through 10. You can see that it's put into law then as well, that this would be normally passed down if you have multiple brothers and the first one dies, and then the next one would marry, if not already married, um, to the oldest brother. This has more to do with uh, the full inheritance. Here is even more special because it's not just the family inheritance uh, going down, but even here, this is a deeper passing on of God's promise. Judah being the youngest of four brothers, which seemed kind of odd, but it was that he is actually the one to pass on through the lineage. There's something special with Judah. We don't see it here. You see it much later on. We see it through the full workings of what God has done in the course of history. We'll get into that as we get closer to the end. But this is a passing on of inheritance. This is also not just physical inheritance of the land, but this is eternal inheritance of what God is doing through Judah to pass on not just the land for Israel, for this whole nation that would be put on, but also a much deeper passing ultimately of salvation but it doesn't really work out that way for onan onan is consumed by greed and selfishness onan is so uh doesn't want to take on the responsibility because he's selfish for his own ways he doesn't want to um you know be responsible for children he's um he sees that the inheritance wouldn't be his. It wouldn't be actually named by him. It's passing on of his brother. And he's very self-centered in the whole idea here. So he takes uh, matters into his own hands and uh, basically primitive birth control here. It's not the fact of that he held back. It's actually the fact of not fulfilling and passing on the inheritance and being so selfish and so greedy himself is actually what the problem is. He doesn't have a problem being with his brother's wife for his own pleasure, but doesn't want the back-end responsibility that typically comes with that. So he takes matter into his own hands and doesn't fulfill the full deed. God sees this as a major issue because he's dealing with something very specific through Judah and Onan is going against exactly what God is trying to do. It's such a big deal that God kills him also. Here's the interesting thing also is that Judah doesn't really understand at the time that that's what God's doing. Remember, this is written after the fact and this is also showing how this is inspired by the Holy Spirit. Because really, it would be that Judah is just looking at this and sees that Tamar is the problem. 
from his worldly perspective, he sees that, wait a minute, I have two sons that were killed early in life. Tamar's still around. She must be the problem. The common denominator here is that Tamar somehow is wicked and got my sons killed. But of course, this being written after the fact and telling of the story, we see that the Holy Spirit is inspiring this word and letting us know that, no, the Lord did this. The Lord killed them. But Judah then says to Tamar, his daughter-in-law, remain as a widow in your father's house, otherwise him, until uh, my son is, is, Shula is grown. For he said, at least also die like my brothers. All right, so she, he, he's just concerned here with her, but he's like, hey, just remain here. I'll be watching over you to see what's going on uh, because I have some hesitations with you. Uh, but I need my inheritance to continue on. So I'm promising my third son but I need to keep an eye on you. So then he goes and he's talking to his buddy and he's saying, I'm going to go shear some sheep and go into another town. And Tamar gets word of this and goes on her, on her own. She's at this point, she's upset because actually the promise of Judah's third son was not granted to her. He grows up, he's of a mature age to where he's of marrying age and that promise doesn't get fulfilled. More twists in this weird Jerry Springer-like show that we are watching here going on. And Tamar takes matters into her own hands and then disguises herself as a prostitute as a harlot she then wraps uh, puts a veil over her face puts on different clothes um, because then if you were a widow you kind of wore like more drabby clothes so people understood that you were widowed you were in an unfortunate uh, circumstance in your life she took off those clothes and put on others that really signified to other people that hey i'm available for sale I'm a little bit of a fair game here. I'm down to party. <laughs> and so she puts on these different outward garments. Many of us like to, and in our culture today, we love to say how don't judge a book by its cover and all of these things. And though that is true to an extent, we also need to realize that the cover that we do put on does, in fact, give off an impression to others about what our intentions are or who we are or some kind of form of identity of who we are we can put on a disguise and um and do all sorts of different things to act and play around and, and whatever but it's understanding that what we put on on the outside initially gives a first impression to everyone else around us there's kind of this level of here, she puts on specific clothes to give off the impression that she is a prostitute. She's open for business. She's not a widow. 
are we being careful of what we are presenting outwardly to who we really are? Or are we playing disguises in our lives? Do we put on masks too often? And not saying that any of us are, of course, going to this uh, circumstance in which we're playing as a prostitute, but here, and really in the reality of what kind of masks are we putting on to hide what's really going on in our lives? What kind of masks are we putting on to maybe get ahead in life also, but that's not really who we are? Who we really are is the character in which we have, but often we put out our talents over our character. And if our character isn't there, it's not going to keep us there. When we lie to get ahead in life, it's definitely short-lived, if at all, if it comes about. But here, she plays with this story. She plays here with what's going on. And she convinces Judah. And Judah himself, the other part was he himself just, he didn't just like, ooh, I got tempted and I gave into it. He openly just said, yeah, absolutely. He goes to town. He's like, hey, I'm out of town. I'm going to go, you know, different area codes, right? He just straight up says, hey, you look good. What can, uh, what can I do to, you know, get some of that? So he says, I'm going to promise you a, a pretty high price. Um, I'm going to promise you a, a young goat from the flock. That's pretty good. That means the goat will live long. So in these days, animal and livestock meant a lot. It's provision. It's uh, a lot of capability of, I'm going to give you a young goat. That means the goat can last a long time living. I'm giving you it at an early stage instead of a late stage in its life. Uh, the other part is the goat could give off milk. So that means a long time of giving off there's it's just, this is a pretty good price. This is a gift that's going to keep on giving uh, if you take care of it. And so, hey, that's great, but you don't have the goat with you. What can I get as collateral till I get that goat? He basically gives up his ID card. That's the signet in the cord and his staff are very telltaling items that say this is who i am it's you know the signet is either we hear it's either a ring or it's a stamp that's usually held around and it's something that stamps and puts a seal that says this is who i am i'm signing this i'm putting a seal on it to let you know it's from me and not from anybody else it's an id card in a way back then he just says, hold on to my ID card till I get you the goat. So they have sex. She conceives of, the, of a baby. And then Judah runs away and goes home. He does promise the goat and he fulfills that by sending the young goat with his friend, the Adolamite, and sends him back to the town looking for this harlot wondering, hey, here's the goat. I, I need my ID card back. 
after his, you know, rush of passion, he kind of thinks back and goes, oh, no, I kind of left my ID card back with her. That's kind of a no-go. I don't really want people to find out too many about who was with her. I need my ID back. But she's nowhere to be found. Nobody knows of her because she's not a normal. She's not actually really there. And everyone's like, hey. So his buddy trying to be a good friend or whatever is trying to think, I got to save my friend's face here. I've asked around a little bit kind of quietly with walking around with this goat and saying, hey, we don't know what you're talking about. There's not a prostitute here at all. So I don't know who you think she is. And he's like, you know what? I'm not going to ask anymore. This, this clearly is a wild goose chase. I'm out of here. And so he goes home and says, Judah, yo, uh, th there's no, there's no prostitute, bro. I don't, nobody has heard of her. Nobody knows of her. Um, she's a ghost. Right. And he's like, whoo, okay, well, um, she's got my ID card, but uh, let's just forget about it. All right. Let's just, let's not bring any attention to the situation. Just hush, hush from here. Give, you know, we'll keep the goat because I couldn't give it to her. And um, I'll just have to get a, I have to go to the DMV and get a new ID later or something. And he just, whatever. But then three months later, so in verse 24, and it came to pass about three months after that Judah was told saying, Tamar, your daughter-in-law has played the harlot. Furthermore, she is with child by harlotry. He's like, wait a minute. Tamar is pregnant? What's going on? Bring her to me and we're going to burn her because this is, this is terrible. Not considering his own trespasses, not considering his own sin, not considering what he has done. And of course, he doesn't see it connected because he didn't realize that that was her. But then when she was brought out, she sent to her father-in-law saying, by the man whom these belong, yo, here's your ID, man. Is this you? Is this you? Is this you? Because who I'm, the baby I'm carrying is from this, this guy, this ID card right here. This signet and cord and staff. Here's the one good thing that Judah did. He could have uh, went forward and concealed this even more. He could have grabbed his ID card back and still burned her at the stake and said, it was never me. How did you get this? Somebody had stolen it, made up some other story. He could have done whatever to try to continue to conceal and hide, but he didn't. This is where he realizes his sin has caught up with him. And it's not worth trying to cover it anymore. He assumes the responsibility and he recognizes that, wow, how terrible have I been? I'm the one that actually, as it reads out, that he kind of 
when he saw her, he pursued her more than she really pursued him. Now she knew what she was doing, but he just as much sought her out because he was asking her, how can I get with you? He realizes his sin. He realizes the, the evilness in which he was already doing. And he says, you know what? I can't be lying anymore. I can't be doing this anymore. And he takes responsibility for his actions. He takes responsibility for his actions. All of us need to make sure that we take responsibility for our actions. We're not perfect. But what we can do is when we mess up, we take responsibility for our actions. It seems to be a lost art in our world today where we just continue to try and cover it up or make excuses for our problems. But here he at least says, fine. He goes, she has been more righteous, verse 26. Uh, she has been more righteous than I because I did not give her to Sheila, my son. He already realized, guess what? I made a promise that I didn't keep in the first place. None of this would have happened if I just kept to my word. It's also a lost art of keeping to your word. It used to be that it was like a handshake deal was basically as good as a signed piece of paper. But that has seemed to have gone the way of the dodo bird in today's society. That a handshake, as they say, if it's not, captured on camera for it's not on facebook it's not real it didn't really happen if there's no photos where is our character where is our ability to stand up and say you know what i messed up i'm bad i'm gonna i'm gonna eat this and i'm gonna run with this and I'm, uh, I'm not going to hide from it anymore. Two things about sin that we have to realize and we have to understand is that sin will cost you dearly. And that sin will find you out inevitably. Sin will catch up to you. Inevitably. You may thought you've gotten away with it for so long. You may think that it's never going to haunt you. Time will tell. But here's the other part. Our God is sovereign. Our God has a plan. And our God's will is bigger than all of our foolish ridiculousness that we do. Our God still has such an amazing plan. That through Judah's line and through the birth of his son here, Perez, the actual firstborn, because then you see this crazy uh, twins coming out, 
in, in an odd way, I'm sure that today this would be very odd to see this happening in a delivery room that one sticks his hand out and they try to mark him as him being the first. He puts his hand back in and the other one pushes the other one aside and says, I'm coming out first. The personalities of these two already showing forth before they're even born. And Perez is the one that breaches through first. This is in line to King David. And this is in line to Jesus. Through this crazy story and through so many others that continue in this lineage from Judah to Perez, from this Jerry Springer story, goes all the way up to King David and eventually to Jesus. We see that in both of his genealogies, and one of them uh, in Jesus's genealogy, there's one in Matthew and in Luke, it's Luke chapter three specifically, and that's the one that goes all the way back to Adam and you see it goes from Judah to Perez, continuing up all the way to King David and all the way to our Savior. So though we need to make sure that we watch ourselves and we need to watch what we do with our sin and that our sin will ruin our lives and our sin will catch up with us and our sin is uh, going to cost us dearly and all of these crazy things. There's also a level that our God has so much grace. Though he is just and there is punishment for our deeds and there is judgment that will come upon us, there's also grace and there's also mercy and there's also salvation because of Jesus, because of his death on the cross we get to be forgiven we get to have eternal life because of his blood not from our own actions because we we've all sinned we've all fallen short of the glory of god so today maybe one realize that we need to Build our character more than build our stature. Then we need to build up our way of living according to God's way. Stop whatever it is that's tearing you down and pulling you away from the Lord. Stop whatever it is that's sin in your life because it will catch up with you. But here's the great thing you don't get to live there all the time our god is gracious our god is merciful and our god is a god of salvation so may we praise him today may we glorify his name may we thank god that we get to have a loving father and a savior that we get to turn around repent of our sins and be made whole and restored because of him. So no matter what your Jerry Springer story is in your life, there is still redemption. There is still salvation.
Thank you, Jesus. Let us pray. Lord, we just thank you for your word today and just all the, the craziness that's going on and, and, and the different cultural aspects and, and just backhandedness and, and um, secrecy and all the, and the lust and the, and the greed and everything that's going on in this story. This, this Jerry Springer-like story going on here in Judah's life that still, even amongst that, you turn it for good. So much so that your son was brought through this line for the salvation of your people, for the salvation of all, so that we can have redemption, so that we can have salvation through his name. Lord, may you help us recognize, understand, and repent of our sin today. May you have us turn around, but not turn to any direction, but turn towards you and what you have for us. May your will always be accomplished, Lord. May whatever it is, may we be a part in helping fulfill your will and not our own. Lord, I just pray a blessing over everybody on this call and whoever's listening later. I pray that you be with them. I hope and pray that you open their hearts and their minds to your will and to your son, Jesus. May we praise you and praise your son's name forever. In Jesus Christ's name, I pray. Amen and amen.